biophysics from the University of Illinois and has taught and researched environmental and science policy for over 35 years. He's going to speak to us about scriptural modes of creation. So please welcome, if you are ready, Dr. Yes. Monday. Um, to move forward, hit the space bar. All right. Thank you very much for coming. A picture from our campus in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My wife Judy on a trip to Hawaii. Here's the abstract in the PowerPoint so that anybody who really wants it can look at it. <clears throat> My favorite scripture with regard to science is Psalm 111 verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord studied by all who take pleasure therein is another translation. Thus natural science can bring glory to God and it's a worthwhile and uh, honoring to God endeavor. Here's my outline. First we'll look at paradigms and creation terms to set the stage, then mention a few modes of creation, products of creative acts, some exegetical examples, and finally uh, a little bit about the method of creation, a most difficult and almost impenetrable area. Study of creation involves both science and scripture, so we immediately are confronted by the question of paradigms, and it's necessary to make a decision here before proceeding. The main paradigms in view are the young earth creation model and the old earth creation model and others, but we'll just focus on the first two. If young earth creationism is correct, then events of creation in Genesis 1 all occurred very, very rapidly and almost instantaneously in some respects and were therefore miraculous. If old earth creationism is correct, then we allow for greater lengths of time and the admission of natural process. With regard to choice between the paradigms, I made my choice years ago, but to explore that for your benefit and to avoid using geological time chronology to make a decision, we inquire along these lines. Scripture does not require animal death, which is pre frequently claimed uh, to have occurred only after the fall by the young earth creationists. But a careful study of scripture, which I did some years ago, uh, leads to the conclusion that creature mortality was part of the creation order in the beginning. And here are the evidences in that regard. Romans 5.12 is frequently quoted by young earth creationists, but the uh, quotation is terminated before the words all men. And in that sense, it's taken to apply to all of creatures, including man, but not limited as Romans 5.12 actually is to just men. And the whole focus of Romans 8 uh, and other scriptures in, in Romans are, is to the spiritual life of man, not to uh, the creation as is typically taken by the young earth creationists. And corruption in 8.21 refers primarily to a creation burdened by sin, not to some thermodynamic entropy-laden fall. Psalm 104 is another key. It's taken by many as a creation hymn, mentions predator-prey relationships, and in that sense brings glory to God as having been the author of that predator-prey relationship. Thus, I hold that fossils could have originated before the fall and before Noah's flood. 
Another line of evidence is uh, the location of the Garden of Eden, which I studied some years ago in a paper delivered in a uh, theological journal. The location of the Garden of Eden is uh, fairly well uh, designated to be within the bounds of or nearby the present-day nation of Kuwait. Uh, the Tigris and Euphrates rivers are identified in Genesis 2. The city of Asher, as, as mentioned in Genesis 2, lies perfectly on the west bank of the Tigris in perfect correspondence with scripture. And the land of Havilah and other geographical place names mentioned in Genesis 2 and linked to other scripture elsewhere in the Old Testament clearly refers to the land of Arabia. These features of Genesis 2 are known today. And the flood intervened. And if the flood deposited the geologic column, as is claimed by young earth creationists, then we have to contend with the fact that there are six miles of strata beneath the land of Kuwait, as proven by oil well drilling. Thus, it's very difficult to maintain that the flood deposited the geologic column since the place names of Genesis 2 are visible today, uh, and therefore the fossil record, the geologic column, was deposited before Genesis 2. Third line of evidence, uh, perhaps less weighty than the other two, involves the mention of Tubal-Cain as the forger of iron and bronze implements in Genesis 4. Uh, to my knowledge, all the um, evidence for the Bronze Age lies above the geologic column. And the nearest Bronze Age began about the same time as the genealogies of Genesis indicate for the age of Tubal-Cain, roughly 3000 BC. So the geologic column predated Genesis 4. This forces me and perhaps others to making a decision that young earth creationism is incompatible with science and scripture. And I haven't used any of the age dating related to standard geological thinking associated with the geologic column. I have used the mention of the genealogies in Genesis 4, or Genesis 5 and 11 and elsewhere, and also associated them with uh, Middle Eastern archeology. span But that's the extent of using standard chronology. Also, I think it's significant that the rate project involving the scientists from the Institute for Creation Research has come to the conclusion that radiometrically, there is a 500 million year history in the radiometric chronology. They explain it by a contrivance that is accelerated radioactive decay in creation week and during Noah's flood. But this seems to me to be highly artificial. So I conclude that young earth creationism won't fit scripture and science, and consequently what is left is an old earth paradigm of some sort. This has significance for looking at the terms involving creation in scripture. We'll now look at some of them. The implication of finding old earth creationism to be the uh, successful paradigm is that the terms of creation in Genesis 1 and elsewhere can involve long natural processes and don't have to be circumscribed or limited to just uh, short-term, miraculous, instantaneous events. So let's look at those three terms that are used extensively in scripture to refer to creation events, bara, yatsar, and asa. These Hebrew terms have uh, 
uh, overlapping meanings as can be inferred from the study of the various ways in which they are used in the Old Testament. Bara, translated create, is unique. It uh, almost without exception involves God as the subject. And it appears to involve always some sense of absolute origination, a term used by Rodman Williams at Regent University. Asa involves the concept of making. Yatsar, translated form, can refer to pottery manufacture. These terms in their meanings suggest process. They're used in parallel constructions in various ways with regard to different uh, items that have been created. And thus, creation may involve processes similar to manufacture, certainly involving uh, long extended periods of time, in some cases not necessarily instantaneous uh, action. There are other terms which scripture uses re with respect to creation or bringing into, into being things that did not formerly exist. Uh, Psalm 104 mentions stretching out the heavens like a tent curtain. It's possible to say that this is a figurative language, in which case we don't have to uh, be tight with our interpretation in terms of process. But I think there's more than just figurative meaning involved in such terms. They could have said, uh, the authors could have said things that are more specific to instantaneity or other miraculous processes or, or events than, than was the case. In Isaiah, we have several instances where God declares he has created things, including uh, man in present tense. The Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Thus, God creates each human being, not only Adam, and we all obviously develop by a process. Thus, creation terminology is sometimes a process terminology. Uh, some years ago, I developed a table involving all the instances of all these words in Scripture, involving the three terms, bara, asa, and yatsar, and also several other Hebrew words which are used. Not being a Hebrew scholar, I had to rely on uh, Strong's Concordance to develop this list and other concordances which are reversed and analytical in nature. And this is a portion of that table. Uh, it goes on for two and a half pages, and I'd be happy to provide a copy to anyone who wants it. Uh, the point here is that looking at all these terms, reply, uh, in, uh, applying to certain particular items that have been created, such as the heavens, or the earth, or man, or Israel. Uh, they're used in overlapping and uh, multiple senses, and they seem to uh, result in the conclusion, at least in my mind, that the terms can't be tightly interpreted and, ex and uh, thought to have exclusive meanings. They have overlapping meanings. Um, yet they seem to suggest that there's some difference. The, the fact that the various terms are used raises the question, why? We can draw some exegetical details based upon these findings. Uh, one is to point to the vegetation developing in Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, for example, God said in Genesis 1, let the earth sprout vegetation. And one of the Hebrew words there is used widely in other scriptures specifically for vegetation sprouting from the earth. 
rather than appearing instantaneously. Therefore, did God put seeds in the ground? In some sense, it could appear that Adam noted vegetation growing from the ground, and God said, I did that. I planted or made the ground grow this vegetation that you see. Uh, Genesis 1 identifies cattle, beasts, and creeping things. Did God create them already in these categories? Were cattle already domesticated at the time of creation? I think not. I think it's a designation of categories plainly observable and noticeable by Adam. And so God was acknowledging that however they got that way, he did it in the ultimate sense of having brought the creatures about. But the implication is that the story in Genesis 1, the mention of cattle, beasts, and creeping things, is not to indicate that they were created, domesticated as cattle, not something about how they got that way, but simply that God did it. God created them. But the question again arises, is there some meaning to the significance uh, or significance to the use in Genesis 1 and 2 of these terms in their variety of ways? Perhaps, is my suggestion, the terms were used to uh, give uh, Adam some idea of uh, God's role, but in, in presenting his role as creator, he was acknowledging what Adam could already plainly see. Whence came heaven and earth? So God responded, Bara, I created them. Bara seems to have the uh, implication of ex nihilo creation more than the other terms. But about vegetation, God said, I caused the ground to produce it. And Adam would immediately understand, well, that's what I see. The ground produces the vegetation. So God is acknowledging what Adam can already see. About fish and birds, they move through fluid media from the terms of hydrodynamics. They don't have any necessary rootedness in soil or earth. So God said bara with regard to their creation. But with respect to land creatures that move about in the earth, eat plants, and grow in size, connected to the soil in that sense, God used the term make. Let the earth bring forth living creatures. Let the earth bring forth living creatures. So for each category, the creation term corresponded to what was observable. So this leads to my hypothesis, a rather humble proposal, a revelatory response view that God responded to man's questions with revelations. And in those questions was already presented some of the context of what Adam could see. And so it was not particularly appropriate to try to uh, draw from the terms inferences about the mode or the method of creation. Rather, it's a reflection of what Adam could see. Now then, we can turn to modes of creation. In looking at these various terms and how they're used with respect to different items that have been created, 
it appears we can devise five categories. Acts that are miraculous, rapid, and often, although not exclusively, ex nihilo. An example would be the Big Bang. Development of pre-existing material. Adam was created from the dust of the earth, at least his body. Acts fitting into what I call historical unfolding, that is, the creation of Israel. Spiritual creation, angels, new creatures in Christ. And finally, newness resulting from natural process. And I use the example here of mountain building, orogenies. Theologically, there are two categories here, immediate and immediate creation. What's one person is called creation prima and creation secunda. Spiritual entities obviously fall into the creation prima, that is, immediate. Scientifically, the divide is between ex nihilo creation and material differentiation. Science can't do much with spiritual entities. And so we can safely say, to the greatest extent, it can only ignore them. Human creative activity can be regarded as a third category. The products that result fall into several categories. Generation of absolutely novel items, new creatures, the nation of Israel, creation of souls or ensoulment, selection of highly improbable configurations. Was the Cambrian explosion, as in progressive creationism, simply statistical improbabilities coming about? I don't really know, but it is offered here as a category. Sign miracles involving such things as healing, raising up from the dead, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then new instances of previously existing types of entities, such as every new human being. Theistic evolution seems to me to fall into a category midway between two of the above, well, numbers one and five. And it's not always clear that there are hard and fast distinctions along these lines, but these are offered as possible categories. I'd like to see developed uh, perhaps a giant multi-dimensional table which includes the various creative acts or modes of creation, the types of products that result, and some distinction according to the major uh, categories of domain, matter, spirit, etc., and over time. It may be possible, I just haven't gotten to that point yet. Now then, the last question, how does God create? I've puzzled over this, but I don't really have a whole lot to say uh, because my intention, my desire is to stay pretty close to Scripture. Uh, others have done extensive study over the last 20 years of what is called special divine action and have explored how in the realm of natural science one could explain God's creative activity. I desire to stay close to scripture because that's where my source is for spiritual understanding. And uh, I haven't been able to get very far in that regard, but we can say, theologically, in creation, a thing is educed from non-existence, either 
immediately or mediately. Immediately by secondary cause or immediately by primary cause as in miracles. I've noticed that theologically the description of God's creative acts is usually focused upon God's attributes, not on the method of the creation that he has carried out. As an example, scripture talks about the initiation of the cosmos and from the broad scope of scriptural references, it seems we can conclude that the initiation of the cosmos was ex nihilo. It's interesting that at least according to Big Bang Theory, there's a consonance with the scientific explanation that appears to focus upon a cosmic egg occurring or emerging or appearing suddenly as a quantum fluctuation from nothing. Scientifically, as I mentioned, there's been the exploration of what is called special divine action, STA. Does God intervene to redirect natural causes? Is a non-interventionist type of STA possible? The explorations that I've read about have all focused upon quantum theory and its indeterminacy, and also chaos theory in its indeterminacy as a means for allowing God room to move to create things without upsetting the natural order. I find this a bit forced because it seems to suggest that somehow God is limited. And I don't think that it's appropriate to draw that conclusion. Uh, some authors focus upon the, uh, the, the fact that the Israelite community that birthed and gave us the Old Testament, for example, had a limited view of the natural world, is basically pre-scientific in its understanding. But in doing so, the focus seems to be to explain away the indications in the Old Testament of miraculous or special divine acts, control of nature even. In Job 37, God turns the clouds around by his guidance. It seems very clear that God controls the weather, according to those passages. Are they merely old, pre-scientific ideas? If we look at the whole span of history from the Israelite community through the present with Christian testimony, we have many, many instances of God's, shall we say, interventionist activity, contravening, it appears at times, the natural order. So I'm not persuaded that the way through this problem of how God creates should be by attempting to find loopholes in the natural order that he can operate through without upsetting that natural order. It seems, however, ultimately, it, the actual mode of creation or the method will remain elusive because we're talking about a spirit, the Holy Spirit, the power of God, somehow transduced into the material realm. I haven't seen any way to penetrate that connection through Scripture and I'm not satisfied that the special divine action literature treats it scientifically in a way that honors the clear focus in scripture on the fact that God does do things that are highly irregular, improbable, and at times interventionist in contravening the natural order. Thank you very much.
refers to creationism, not to metamorphism, only that the earth is old and not young. Uh, and through natural processes, it would either be evolutionary creation or euthanistic evolution. But I don't think the term uh, old earth creation will allow for that. That's a fair perspective. I've taken the term old earth creationism to refer in the broadest sense to a mix between natural process and perhaps interventionist activities by God. So I've used it very broadly, loosely. Uh, I think you're using it in a more particular and specific sense. And the way you use it is certainly honoring the terminology, the, the basic meanings of the words. <laughs> 